1: Figuring out what all these buttons do on some cargo ship in the middle of the Suez Canal, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind Bottle Bots at Zero Knots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke.
2: I'm Lindsay.
3: And certainly not very wedged, I'm
1: Kyle. And today on the podcast, our postseason interview with Kraken Captain Matt Spurk. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around
2: the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Tune in, Castbox, Player, FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week released its latest basement fight to supporters, this time between 2020 Rookies, Hijinx, and Tracer. If you'd like to check out that fight now, sign up to become a BattleBots supporter on Facebook. On over to the internet, where we got word this week that BuildersDB, the long-running home for combat robotics competitions, registrations, robots, and teams, is down until further notice. The site originally launched in 2002. And eventually came to host photos and details about combat robots for more than 3,800 teams worldwide. It was also the most comprehensive combat robotics event listings database in North America and coordinated event registration for top competitions like Motorama and Robot Ruckus. Icewave Captain Mark DeWitts maintains this website and this week said his hosting service switched the site over to a new server that didn't support all of its legacy architecture. Mark says he might redesign the site from the ground up but that Builder's DB will remain offline for the foreseeable future. On over to Silicon Valley, where Duck Captain Hal Rucker is out with his sixth and final installment of his very popular series, How to Build a Duck. In this episode, he reveals that the latest version of Duck will quack every time it opens its duck bill. I chatted a bit with Hal this week, who revealed that Duck will come preloaded with 10 different quacking sounds, which will play in a random sequence every time the bot's bill opens and closes. Hal writes, quote, the operator also has the option to open slash close the bill without playing the quacks because the sound can get annoying after a while. We plan on only quacking at opportune moments. Winky face emoji. And finally, if you've ever wanted to gently fall asleep to the dulcet tones of a 250-pound battle bot, look no further than Malice Captain Bunny Sariel, who this week uploaded an ASMR video to YouTube that features a perfectly looping soundtrack of her bot spinner running for 10 hours straight. Totally unrelated and we may cut this, but I I um, I watched my first ASMR video like ever uh this past week and um it was not good. <laughs> I was it was um I wanted to fold into myself and I don't know if it's um if all ASMR videos are like this, I mean, I listened to the Malice one, and it's it's great. You should definitely listen to it. And it wasn't like this. It was like somebody uh, whispering into a microphone and eating a jelly donut. Is that normal? Did I? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty standard fare. Is it is it pushing your buttons, Luke? That like, do, do you get the tingle that people report? I it was like a fourteen minute video, and I just wanted to crawl under the table and die. Like, just like. It was why who is that? Is it does it calm people? Like why why is there so much whispering?
3: No, it doesn't calm people. It it like uh, the tingles. That's it. It gives them like a sensory experience. Oh my god, there's so many different types of people.
2: It no, I mean it's not like you want it to happen necessarily, but it just feels like your ears get itchy, and there's like a little thing in your brain that you need to like i don't know it's hard to explain it didn't wow. make you feel that way at all it just made you cringe it didn't make your brain feel itchy it
0: was it was like the whispering was too low and it was just it was like too intimate it was too intimate you guys i'm like i have intimacy issues already all right and i i just can't can't have somebody whispering and eating a donut really that's just it's too much
3: yeah, I, I like Lindsay for folks that do not get the, the yeah. sensory experience from ASMR, it is pretty unbearable.
0: <laughs> Luke, go on. <laughs> I, okay, I'm blushing so hard right now because I'm thinking about it and I'm getting like secondary cringe again. All right. <laughs> it it was like, flashbacks. <laughs> it's, it was like, hello, everybody. Today,
3: I'm going to be eating a jelly donut. It was just, it was too much. It was too much. Wow, that was actually pretty good, Luke. Have you considered a secondary career? Just. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> hate to eat the jelly donuts.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Today, I'll be eating some imported Kit Kats from Japan. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, let's switch gears and get into our recap of the Ice Wave episode of BattleBots Bounty Hunters. We last saw Ice Wave in 2018 when it advanced to the round of 16 and had its face dismantled piece by piece by Victor Soto and Rotator in one of the most destructive matches of that season. Two years later, they returned to the competition with a brand new paint scheme, a new bot, and just one fight ...against Scorpios, which had already fought 11 matches across BattleBots Fight Night, the BattleBots Championship, and qualifying matches on BattleBots Bounty Hunters. This episode gave us our first televised look at Black Widow and Deadlift, as well as multiple matches with Ghost Raptor. In the end, it was Scorpios, who would later go on to win the 2020 BattleBots Founders Award capping off the team's best season to date. I'd love to get your thoughts on this episode, your thoughts on Scorpios, your thoughts on the new and improved Ice Wave, your thoughts on BattleBots Bounty Hunters. Kyle, I know that we've talked uh, a little bit back and forth about this episode. Would love to get your take.
3: Random thoughts first, random thoughts. Uh, Deadlift looked awesome in this episode. Yes. like obviously they, they had some trouble getting their bot dialed in for the regular season but this was filmed towards the end and obviously they had it kind of together great matches super fun um i really enjoyed it the the other thing to mention is that ice wave looks phenomenal like yeah. The appearance of Ice Wave in this episode is like, oh, that's such a great update. The color scheme is fantastic. I love Mm. the lines. Just like so well designed. It's a beautiful looking bot. My overall impression of this episode as well as the Bronco episode is it is really disappointing to bring in these bots that do not compete in the main tournament for these Bounty Hunter matches. It is, I think, just disappointing for the bounty disappointing for the fans because we want to see a bronco that is battle tested and ready to go we want to see an ice wave that is battle tested and ready to go and instead this is their like first match of the season tune-up match where they don't have everything dialed in yet and they're going in there against a robot that has already fought at least three fights if not four um, and in the case of you know everybody in this tournament, at least eight fights, right? Because they've been through the regular season and then also bounty hunters. Mm. Um, so they've had time to get their bots dialed in. They they've had time to get everything working. And I don't care if your bot has a little bit of wear and tear on it by this point. You're gonna know what works, what doesn't. You're already gonna fix those you know seven things you figured out in the tombstone fight um, when you go up against this horizontal spinner. So I just. I think if you're going to have the Bounty Hunters tournament to make it worth our while, you should have bots in it that uh, have fought in the regular season.
0: All right. Okay. Question. Isn't the story though of Bounty Hunters like kind of the rise of this one robot that, that's climbing uh, to to get to the top of the mountain to fight the the bounty? It's not really about the bounty bot, right? It's mostly about Scorpios,
3: you know, like you're cheering, you're, 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 no, the content is all about the bounty. The, the content is all about, I mean, like all of the secret, the side segments, all of the, like check out the history of Bronco, check out the history of ice wave. Here's some of ice waves, greatest hits. This is what makes Mark such a cool guy. Uh, No, it's like this huge buildup about the bounty. And then to see the bounty perform like a bot in their very first match of the season. It's sad. You know, you you Mm. don't want to see that. You want to see them at the peak of their powers, if you will. And so, Mm. you know, maybe what would be cool is if the bounty uh, got to have a tune up match. You know what I mean? Like they get to choose their opponent and got to have a tune up match. And like that's their match at the beginning. Maybe they air some of that footage. Maybe they don't. Um, but they have a tune-up match just to get their bot dialed in and because it's the second match when bots really are like dangerous that first match for everybody is just not that great unless you're going up against Paul Ventimiglia and then you know no match is great. <laughs> um, but you know that that second match is when everybody's super dangerous so that would be cool if they had like all right bronco just had a tune-up match up against i don't know you know like just re- tantrum and they did a great job and now they're you know going to do this or oh they lost their tune-up match let's see how they do let's see what they learn let's see what they figured out that would make this a little bit more entertaining for me but uh, i just i already knew going into this that ice wave had no chance because they're going up against you know a bot that has been dialed all the way in and has already beaten the most powerful horizontal spinner in the game.
0: I could see, I, I think it's an interesting idea. We didn't have many exhibition matches for, in BattleBots fight night. So maybe you could do a crossover where you say, Hey, check out this Bronco exhibition match. And if you really want to see, you know, hype the- up bounty hunters with right. on the regular show. Yeah, that's a that's great right. idea. On bounty hunters, yeah. So I guess you could you could kill two birds with one stone. Do a little cross promotion.
3: Yes, I one hundred percent support
0: that. Um, I I agree with you. Like Ice Wave looks so amazing, and I love that robot. Um, so pretty. So okay, two questions. Uh, does Does the combustion engine still make sense uh, in the age of you know brushless motors and two hundred and fifty like mile an hour tip speeds um, and lighter batteries and and all of that, or is it a gimmick? A uh, you know kind of a, a throwback to the ABC. Uh- it is
3: a more expensive way to achieve similar results to a really reliable brushless setup. Hmm. Okay. But it is more reliable than a brushless setup. You know what I mean? Like like if you're just like run of the mill ice setup versus run-of-the-mill brushless setup, the internal combustion engine is always going to be more reliable. Um, but you're getting similar spin-up times. You're getting similar output of power from from a brushless system now. It's just, you know, they also break all the time. Um, so yeah, I think it's still worthwhile. I think that there's something to be said for that intimidation factor of that motor starting up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know what I mean? Like, that's that's something to behold. Um, and this blade does a lot of damage. You know, you can call it an older design. This blade does a ton of damage. Every single time he puts it out, it does a ton of damage. If it wasn't for the fact that Rotator was built, like, just the most solid tanky tank you've ever seen, that fight with them would have gone a lot differently. You know what I mean? The reason that Rotator was able to get up and deliver those hits is because they were able to take so much damage. Uh-huh. Um... Not many other bots can say that I think, I think there are definitely some self writing considerations you could put into ice wave. I think the amount of space that that motor takes up is perhaps an unfortunate downside of the design. But when it comes to the actual power output versus the weight of the motor, right? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, it's definitely, for, for the time that he was building it, when it was, like, a new concept, it was unbeatable. Now it's, like, it's in the pack. You know what I mean? It's it's doing yeah. well. Yeah. I, I entered,
0: like, kind of the, the final match of this episode, like, really heavily favoring Scorpios because they had just, you know, in the regular season, beaten Tombstone, beaten Bloodsport, or, you know, went went toe-to-toe with Bloodsport, beaten Perfect Phoenix, you know, like, they know how to beat a horizontal.
3: Yeah, the Um, the producers really gave them all the horizontals this year. They were like, here you go, just eat these, have fun. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, I I just, you
0: know, like, so, okay, Uh, we will not have a mystery guest on next week. We will have Zach and Diana on next week. Um, Yes. Yes. And we're, we're so excited about that, so happy about that. And I really feel and listen change my mind but 2020 is the year of Scorpios. Like Scorpios had the best storyline of 2020. Um you know winning the founders founders award um you know like this episode uh like didn't leave a dry eye in the house I think. Yeah. Um and really just seeing this kind of out pouring of love and support this week for that team and those two captains i think is really really cool and i'm really looking forward to to hearing their their story of of 2020 next week
3: you don't hear a single person in this community that doesn't love zach and diana yeah you know like absolutely just love them um by the way go us for like oh the season's over let's just have on all of our favorite people from the sport and <laughs> hang out with them. Um let's let's keep that going all during the off season. I'm absolutely loving this. This is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah and and they they absolutely earned the the founders award this year. Um yeah. you just see how much they've done for the community, how much they've done for kids in the sports what they do to uh, really evangelize uh, combat robotics in the Bay area. Um, I mean, they were bringing their students out to fight with them, you know, like how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Perfect. Uh, Tune in next week. Uh, Kraken, Captain Matzberg is amazing. You're going to love this episode, but, um, but yeah, like next week, I'm really, really excited to uh, to talk to Zach and Diana about, uh, about their year. And that's it for this week's news and recap of BBBH. After the break, our interview with Kraken Captain Matzberg. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Kraken captain, Matt Spurk. By day, Matt works at Florida's Kennedy Space Center as a mechanical engineering manager. Nights and weekends, he's working on the tough little crusher bot Kraken. In 2020, Kraken faced its hardest schedule yet against opponents Black Dragon, Witch Doctor, Huge, and Sawblaze, and took every match to the full three minutes, sending it to the judges every time. We're looking forward to getting Matt's perspective on the 2020 season and learning more about what's ahead for his team and his bot so welcome back to the show,
4: Matt. Awesome, thank you so much for having me guys. I really appreciate it.
0: I'm so excited that uh, that we were able to make this work. Um, you are our first builder who we've talked to um, since the season ended and you were like top of the list um, for yeah. us because Kraken just had such a great 2020. It's like, it's like tougher than ever before. Um, the bot like really performed well and um, and we're we're just we're just kind of looking forward to learning more about kind of the the magic that's that's inside of the uh, the nautical beast.
4: <laughs> awesome! Thank you so much. Thank you. That I don't know how much we deserve of that praise, but I'll take all of it. So thank you. <laughs> um, before before we get into cracking, though, I I, I want
0: to take us to outer space. Um, so okay, um, a, a little bit of like behind the scenes. Um, so the first time that we had you on, I I knew that you had previously worked as an engineer at Walt Disney world. And I was so just curious about that. I had so many questions about that. And um, so we're we're asking all these questions about Disney and like, it's really, really interesting. And, um, and then you say like, in the the interview, you're like, Oh, you know, like my current job is pretty cool too. And uh, we're like, well, what's your current job? And it's like, Oh, I um, work on the space program. (laughs) And like We were like not prepared for that. Like it was like, just just amazing and wild and like i really want to like kind of go deep deep on on that part of your story because i think it's really cool um and then and then like the, the last time we saw you in person was was that robot ruckus like pre-pandemic kind of like when thousands of people could gather in a little space together and <laughs> fight robots and you know kind of chat face to face um and and so like after robot ruckus i i ended up driving out to kennedy space center for the day with my girlfriend and uh It was like the coolest, coolest thing ever. And the whole time I was thinking about Matzberg and, you know, (laughs) your office and like being able to drive there every day, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, So first off, I mean, I guess, tell us a little bit more about what you do at the Kennedy Space Center. What projects do you work on? Kind of tell us more about your team. Um, Where have we seen your work? That kind of thing.
4: Yeah. Awesome if talking about battle bots is my favorite topic talking about ro- rockets is like my second favorite topic so uh, yeah definitely um so i am the mechanical design manager um, for the mechanisms group at kennedy space center so uh, my team works on all the stuff like if you've ever seen a rocket launch there's all the, like the arms and stuff that swing out of the way as the rockets taking off that's what my team does um yes. we do a bunch of other stuff as well but that's that's our that's our bread and butter that's the, the big thing that we do um and so the rocket program that we're working on right now is called sls it's the space launch system um you know uh, super clever acronym everything at nasa is an acronym so um our our rocket is going to be the most powerful rocket ever launched it will be uh more powerful than the Saturn 5 rocket um and it's designed to carry astronauts um to the moon and to Mars so um we're working on getting that set up right now if you're a space space fan like I am you know I've I've loved space since you know the, the third grade um then uh you'll you know that uh, our core stage, just went through their uh, rocket test, their motor test, uh, the static fire, I guess it was about two weeks ago now. Um, And we're getting ready to receive that piece at Kennedy Space Center. It should be here the middle of next month around that time. Um, And when that arrives, that's the last piece that we need, last piece of the puzzle to put our rocket together. So we've got our solid rocket boosters. Those are already in place and stacked up. Um, and they're just like they were on the shuttle, the big white tubes on the side of the space shuttle, except bigger and more powerful. Um, and then we've got the core stage, which we're we're waiting on to show up. And that's just like the external tank, the big orange thing on the space shuttle, except bigger and more powerful. And um, so this entire rocket stack is the biggest, most powerful rocket of all time. And um, it's it's much bigger than anything that's that's currently out there. It's got twice the lifting capacity of the, the, the next biggest rocket. So. Um, it's going to be huge. We're super excited Um, and it's supposed to launch later this year. So my team's, you know, all hands on deck trying to get that, that set up and built and uh, we're just really excited about it.
0: Yeah. I was reading that the, uh, the first launch for the SLS is planned for November. um, That, that would be pretty awesome to see in person. And I I would imagine pretty awesome to see now that you've worked on it, (laughs) you know, like, um I guess on on launch days where 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 do where do you watch them like um how how do you how, do you, do
4: you have like a a really special front row seat to uh, to launches Yeah so uh, my office is awesome I'm uh, across the street from the vehicle assembly building you know the big building where we stack all these rockets up um and um so I my office is on the third floor and and I can step out of my office out the front door i admit, on the inside I don't have a window right but um the, you get this beautiful panoramic view of all of the launch pads at Kennedy Space Center, um, and we're going to be launching from Launch Pad 39B, which is where they used to do uh, Apollo launches and Shuttle launches. So there's a lot of really great history um, with that launch pad, um, and you know we can we can watch the SpaceX launches and the ULA launches, and you know the whole the whole Space Center, like the whole town of of Titusville, Cape Canaveral, this whole Space Coast area that I live in. Um, it's it's a it's a little town with a rocket problem, and you know, <laughs> society stops when there's a rocket launch. You know, I remember um, when my kids, I was coaching soccer, and a rocket launch. We you could you could see it in the distance, and the ref stopped the game in the middle of the game, blew the whistle, blew the play dead. Everyone watched the the launch go off. Everyone claps, and then he blows the whistle again, when the kids go back to playing. But um, you know, that's just the the town and everything. It's it's just it's obsessed with space, and it's 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 our life out here. So.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Um so okay, I I'm curious. Uh engineer for for the space program, pretty cool. Engineer at Walt Disney World, pretty cool. Are there any other cooler jobs in engineering than those two? Like can you think of something else that's cooler than those two jobs or have you basically Hit the pinnacle of like you know engineering jackpot in terms of interesting projects, interesting problems, um, interesting places to work.
4: Uh, I'm pretty close. I'm pretty close. So I (laughs) I say you know I worked at Disney. I was I was a test engineer there, right? So I tested roller coasters. That was my job. Um, And then you know obviously with with Kennedy Space Center, you know a rocket scientist. That's a pretty cool job. Uh, The only thing I think left is like designing race cars or something like that. but while I was at Disney, I worked with the stunt show there, and we did testing on their on their stunt cars. So I was pretty close on that one. It wasn't quite all the way there, but I was pretty close. So the um, uh, design of race cars, I think, is my next job. Hmm. And I totally forgot builder of BattleBots as well, which is also oh, yeah, a new... that, that little thing. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> huge engineering dream for so many engineers around the uh, around the oh, Yeah, that. mine for like twenty years until I yeah. got on. All... <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so so here's my big question. Um, how come BattleBots doesn't like bill you as the rocket engineer, <laughs> you know, like, on the show? Like, I feel like when I watch Matt Spurk, the character on BattleBots, it's um a guy who really likes pirates. <laughs> 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 you know, like uh like come on, That's- Aaron cadling uh, Greg Munson, we gotta we we
4: we've we gotta tell the full story, right? You know, a guy who really likes pirates isn't wrong either, though, you know. So um, I, I think it's part of it. The, they just want to make it seem um, approachable for anybody. Anybody can do battle yeah. bots, you know. Um, and, um, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. So, you know, you know, saying I'm a rocket scientist, it might intimidate people. But, um, you know, I built my first heavyweight when I was in high school. So uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist um, to do it. it it's you, Anybody can do it. It's a lot of fun. Everyone should do it.
0: Yeah, making the transition over into Kraken, I'm curious if there are elements of your job that translate over into building a heavyweight robot. Like either in the way that you you um, solve a problem or kind of structure the way that the work gets done. Like, is there any is there anything that kind of that you can carry over from from your work um, that goes into Kraken?
4: Yeah, I usually I usually see it goes the other way, right? Things that I learned from working on Kraken and working on robots for all these years helped me help prepare me for jobs at Kenny Space Center. It gave me, you know, familiarity with motors and gearboxes and stuff that you know, you, you kinda get to learn things building a robot that you don't normally get exposed to. Um and so i got to learn those things on the robot but one of the things that we do at the space center which which is helping with with kraken design is um you know as, as all these arms are swinging away they're pulling these you know very very expensive um sensitive uh connections away from this rocket um and so the way they catch them is they use a um softer a soft material and then it gets progressively harder so as the as the thing is sliding back and it's it's crashing into the tower right um it's it's hitting a soft material and it's going into um, harder and harder materials so it kind of slows down and dissipates the energy of that impact um so we kind of did that with kraken but we flip it right we put the very hard thing on the outside that our opponents are going to hit and the progressively softer materials are on the kraken side so we have uh, a hammer armor configuration where we have um uh, a sheet of steel and then a sheet of plastic and then some foam rubber and, um, and then the Kraken frame. So that um, that hammer impact would hit this hard steel and then it would have to hit the, you know, the UHMW and it, it just kind of absorbs that energy. So that was something that I learned from out here, um, which I thought was interesting, but don't tell anybody else. That's my secret formula. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On over to
3: you, Kyle. All right. So Matt, 2020 yeah. season. Best Kraken season yet as far as uh, your record and the fans and the internet uh, are all concerned. You faced four incredibly tough opponents, and you took every match to the judges. Um, Let's start out with a question from Alexander Archer who asks, what made Kraken so indestructible this
4: season because it never KO'd once? Um, I think, you know, there's a there's a learning curve with battlebots. Um, like I've been like I said, I was doing battlebots for a l- long time, not on the show, but you know, small competitive robots. But um, there are um, energies and and impacts that are much higher levels at battlebots than you see anywhere else in the country, right? So I learned a lot um, from from the first season and and that translated into the kraken 2 design which was basically a start over redesign Um, and the kraken 3 was really like the kraken 2 i felt we were pretty close Uh, we had some bad luck and just some you know little little mistakes here and there and we could have done a lot better and so kraken 3 we just fixed those couple of things it was more tweaking whereas kraken 1 to kraken 2 was like a full on design change it was all brand new Yeah, Uh, but number three was just kind of improve incremental improvements, and I think that made a big difference. You know, Um, bite there's not a new bite force every year, right? I mean, there is, but it's 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 incremental improvements of the previous year's bite force. Uh, Things that didn't work great, you know, Paul fixes them. So we tried to follow that same formula with Kraken of what are the things that are broken and aren't working great? Let's fix those things. All right, so we have a related
3: question from Francois who asks. We saw Kraken be indestructible, even if some cosmetic damages, and pretty dominant in a match, then lose a judge's decision. Do you have an idea of judge's criteria that would give you more advantage over kinetic bots? Um, Your kind of bot, for me, is the top of the entertainment spectrum, which I I appreciate. I like control bots, too. I like chomper bots, too. Um, In your mind, what what could be adjusted in the judges criteria to help control bots, uh, get more of a fair shake.
4: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, you know, obviously having the, the, the control and aggression points, uh, work well to us, um, the. I think one of the things that affected us this year, right, was they changed the scoring from from year from our our second year to our third year, right. So it used to be three two two, now it's five three three, and those extra two points for damage really kind of skewed things in the damages' favor, um, which made which made life hard on us. So um, we. Our strategy this year is just to be more destructive, right? Make the crusher a lot more powerful than it was, you know, the last year, which was, you know, um, and and just each year make it make it a better robot. Um, as far as any changes, it's hard, you know. We lost the Black Dragon match. I thought we won. I you know I watched it on video a lot. I thought we won. I could see how they scored it that way, um, and. Um, you know, knowing what I know now, I would have driven a little bit differently sure. um, and cracking the tail falling off so early. I think the judges viewed that as damage. Um, but really, it was you know, it's it's designed to come off. It's just really there for that opening box rush. Um, and I think they counted that as damage. And then, but you know, after that, you know, in Witch doctor and the other matches, they kind of realized, oh, this this thing just falls off at the beginning. So um, maybe being a little bit more. Um, having a conversation with the judges a little bit about what to expect from Kraken, I think would have helped in that match.
3: Right. Yeah. You're supposed to have the, that kind of strategy conversation um, these days. I guess that would be an an interesting thing to include like this part's going to fall off.
4: Yeah. Right. right. (laughs) And, and, And honestly, we didn't know how likely it was to fall off, right? It was mostly, it would mostly stay on in testing. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, it would catch an edge or something like that, and it would get knocked off. Uh, so we weren't sure what it would do in the battle box. Uh, you know, it was a completely experimental piece. Uh, we have a complete redesign. Like, we thought of a redesign at the event. It was like, oh, if we had just done this hinged piece here, it would have worked perfect and would have never fallen off. So um, we're going to add that in this year. So we will We'll have a, a not a tail, but a, a self-writing wheelie bar that that stays Uh, attached to the robot so
3: unsolicited advice just tell the judges it's going to fall off anyway (laughs) that way they'll be really impressed when it doesn't
4: yeah if the head Uh, falls off it's cosmetic yeah it's
3: just cosmetic guys that's not protecting my weapon or anything Uh, (laughs) all right so we have uh this is actually a good transition to a question from trey jones um what was the biggest change from last season to this one and then he says it seems like your driving improved tremendously you were able to line up bites so much better um, so that's that's true. It did look from the audience that your driving really improved this season. Do you think it was that your driving improved, or did you like just have more time with the bot? Really, what was what would you base that perception on?
4: There were um, there were I, th- I think there's two factors that really helped our driving uh, that, that that helped the driving. Uh, actually, three things. Let me do three. One, I practiced. Uh, I did a little bit of practicing in the driveway before the season. Um, and just kind of took the robot out and was weaving in and out of you know cones and stuff like that, just trying to get some practice. Um, The second thing is the tail. Um, so I have a switch that I'm flipping back and forth, and it's you know low speed and high speed. I call high speed beast mode because I, I call cracking a beast. but uh, um, <laughs> the the tail uh, helps me just stay in high speed for that that opening box rush, right? Um, and so I'm able to get on my opponents faster. And that that helps me control the match from the get go. Um, and then the third thing is we completely redesigned the pneumatic system this year, um, and so we were able to squeeze two air tanks in. Um, it's pretty pretty cozy in there now, um, but with two air tanks, we were able to get twice the biting speed out. Mm. Um, so you know, with spinners, you can just kind of spin up a weapon and you bump into them. And as long as you bump into them. Doing damage, but with a crusher, you have to be stuck to them long enough for your weapon to engage. And, um, you know, this past season, our crusher was closing in about two and a half seconds, whereas it was almost five seconds the time before. So, to stay on your opponent for five seconds is a long time. I mean, if you count, count slowly to five seconds to keep contact with an opponent that is actively trying to get away. Is a long time, so that change really I think made a big, big difference in the drivability because now I was and you know two and a half seconds is full close, so I really didn't need all two and a half seconds. If we used two and a half seconds, we missed, right? So, right. Um, uh, I think that helped out a lot.
3: Oh, that's so interesting.
4: All right, so we have uh, a five-part
3: question from Bill, Big Deal team member Brandon Bennett Young. Um, he always has some really great questions for us. So first. This one I'm very curious about too. Tell us about your history with small robots. JMO already alluded to your history with the Florida scene, and we'd love to hear more about your accomplishments, what you've done, what what competitions you like to play in. So tell us about small bots and Matsburg
4: Yeah, um, I was at the beginning of Florida combat robotics. I was all I was all in. Um, I've loved battle bots for you know 20 years and when I found that they were competing in Florida, I, you know, I would have sold all my possessions and just started, you know, living out of an arena if I could have. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I helped, uh, build the first, uh, ant weight and, uh, arena in Florida. Um, so I went, drove up to Tallahassee and, uh, picked up, actually it was Gainesville. I apologize. Gainesville picked up some plastic from there and brought it back. And, uh, another, uh, Floridian stand. Um, he built the arena in his garage out of wood, um, and then um, I hosted an event at Florida Tech. I think I hosted three events in total at Florida Tech and another one um, somewhere else on the on the uh, East Coast over here, um, so I think I've hosted four or five insect events overall, um, and then obviously competed all over Florida with, uh, geez, probably two dozen different insect class robots over the years um yeah and my my kids compete now so they've got each have their own little robots so uh
3: we're big fans of your kids um
4: (laughs) they're good they're good people
3: yeah absolutely absolutely we actually uh so full disclosure our our chat that we use to like discuss what we're going to do for the pod every week is called the bot kids (laughs) nice uh, right. we're just, we're big fans. Um, Boxes. all right. <laughs> so what inspired you to use an air system for Kraken instead of a hydraulic one?
4: Um, so the goal with Kraken was I wanted to make the fastest, most powerful crusher in BattleBots history. That was the goal when we set out to, to make Kraken. Um, and it's still the goal, right? Um, and, we were looking at hydraulic systems at the time and I said, you know, uh, hydraulic systems are generally slower. Like if you look at petunia his is their crusher is very powerful, uh, but it's, it's kind of slow and they miss a lot of bites because of it. Um, and so, you know, you look at like razor back in the day and I, I, for the time, very powerful crusher, but kind of slow. Um, and the airbag idea actually came. I watched my father-in-law disassemble his swimming pool and he accidentally opened the valve. He was using the airbag to lift the pool up so he could, he could disconnect some of the pieces um, that he, and he had the airbag from his work. He used it to pick up big, uh, big vector trucks for like pumping out septic tanks and stuff like that. He would pick it up so that he could work on the these trucks. And uh, it was, um, so I, I watched him, you know, pick up this pool deck that you know four of us couldn't lift um, almost instantaneously. Yeah. And and that kind of stuck with me. And you know, I don't know, you know, what triggered that memory to pop up when I was designing Kraken, but it it came to my mind. I said, boy, that would be neat. And uh, so that was kind of what we did there. I mean, it just kind of all came together after that. Interesting.
3: All right, so this kind of leads into his next question. Uh, so, what would you say makes Kraken's goal different from crushers like Quantum or pure grabbers like Overhaul? It doesn't neatly fall into one category or another. It's sort of a hybrid of the two, from my perspective. This is still from Brandon Bennett Young. Um, I I tend to agree with this. You do have, you know, some aspect where you're you're acting more like a control bot than a pure crusher bot that's trying to do damage with the crusher. Um, so, so what is your goal when you start to like make contact with a bot and start to bite down?
4: Um, art that's, that's a good question. It's, it's tough to answer. Um, our goal is always to just, we want to just fold the other guy in half. You know what I mean? Like we want to be a true crusher and your robot is now smaller for having been in the same box as us. <laughs> um, that's the goal so the you know the jaw of kraken is designed so that um you know yeah we bite with the teeth and they can they can puncture but you can also as as you go further back in the jaw the force increases so um with this current version of kraken if you hit the very last row of teeth you get about a hundred thousand pounds of force in your robot um which is which is ridiculous um and it's not a large area so not many bots are small enough to fit back there but that's you know that's what we're capable of, um, this year, we're trying to upgrade it and, and go even more powerful. We're trying to hit a hundred thousand pounds at the airbag, um, which would put us in the ballpark of around 200 at, at that, at that last tooth. So, um, we're, we're, that's the goal, right? And we'll see we're in testing right now. We've got the parts and, um, we're working this, this spring to try and test that out. And the goal is to get a hundred thousand. Um, and then, then I think we could say pretty safely that we're the fastest, most powerful crusher in BattleBots history, which is, which is still the goal, right? But, um, and then to get back to the original question of, of are we a control bot or are we a crusher? Yeah, I think we're kind of both. I think that's a, that's a good good way to view it is, you know, we'll crush you if we can. If we can't, we're going to control you into the hazards and the hammers and stuff. So, um, you know, whatever it takes to, to try and earn those judges points yeah absolutely um all right so you
3: kind of already started to answer this question but do you see any foresee any major changes to kraken's design at this point it sounds like you're you're talking about a pretty massive weapon upgrade
4: yeah we're we're going with a with a uh there's going to be a lot of upgrades for this version of kraken um so, like we just mentioned, the crushing force is a big one. The other one that really bit us this year was the retract on the jaw was so slow. Um, it was it was embarrassingly slow, um, and uh, I went with a new spring mechanism to try and retract the jaw, and it just wasn't strong enough. It just didn't have enough force, um, and so uh, we got to we got to fix that for next year because it it I was not 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 happy borderline angry with how slow it was um yeah so um and it it makes a big deal right so if your crusher is now twice as fast if you miss um your jaw is now all the way closed and if it takes you know now it took you know six seven seconds to fully open um that's six seven seconds where your head is down and exposed and you saw that in the witch doctor match we missed a bite and they tore the whole front of the face off so um you know, part of being the fastest, most powerful crusher is being able to release fast. Um, so that'll that'll be a big change for this next year.
3: Um, so we have another question from Dane Ironfoot who asks, Where do you find tricorner hats and pirate <laughs> garb in 2021? Now I'm from Florida, so I know the answer to this question, but why don't you go
4: ahead and answer for it? Yeah in florida you just go outside you know you just get from <laughs> your local pirate vendor you know um, you said you're from clearwater right so you're that's on right. the pirate coast right that's absolutely right yes yeah uh there's this other place that, that's usually convenient for buying things i'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of it this could be a trade secret but it's called amazon yeah they, <laughs> they've got stuff there um and um then the other thing is uh my wife actually made a lot of our pirate costumes. She went just thrift shopping and found, you know, a coat and, you know, found a big belt and, uh, you know, a lot of my jackets and a thrift stop find with some fabric sewn on to make it look like a pirate coat, you know? So, uh, if you're handy, you can, you can make anything into pirate garb. That's that makes a lot of sense.
3: All right. So I have a, I have a personal question. Um, I'm a dad, Awesome.
4: Congratulations.
3: Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, I love my kiddos. My My kiddos are, are five and six.
4: And oh, um,
3: I could not imagine, you know, a two week jaunt away with away from them. Um, so how was BattleBots without your kiddos this year? Just there's a related question coming later, but uh, specifically the kiddos. H- how was that? Was it was it really like distracting or were you able to focus better? Like, how did you feel about that?
4: uh i i didn't like it um you know i i like i love spending time with my family with my wife and kids and everybody and um you know it was it was really hard um to not not be there especially you know to to share in the victories but then in the defeats you know to to have somebody there to kind of you know cheer you up and it's not that big of a deal because you're you know you're still a dad and you still have these great kids um you know um so the it mixed you know but mostly i would prefer to have them there it's more fun with them i'd imagine it is yeah for sure all right so our next
3: question comes from brian brown who asks what advice would you give a garage bot builder who's looking to build bigger bots and one day apply to battle bots
4: um yeah if you've already if you've already built a small bot um and now now you're looking to go um go up weight classes I'll be honest with you, use wood. I have built many robots out of wood. Um, If that's, use what you've got, right? If you've got a welder and you know how to weld, go get some, you know, cheap steel, whatever you can find, some, some pop metal, whatever you got and put it together and put something in the arena and have some fun. Um, I think Rusty showed this year that you don't need, you know, a piece of solid billet, aluminum machine down to, you know, the micron level precision you can you can throw something together in a garage and i, I think that's great um my first robot was heavyweight was wheelchair motors um a, a speed controller that, that you know caught on fire a couple of years later and and you know um sealed lead acid motorcycle batteries that's what we had and that's what we could afford that's what we did but we got a bot in the arena and we had a lot of fun with it um and i, I had it for a you know decades i had that robot i still have it um, but yeah, I built lots of robots out of wood with just whatever you got. Uh,
3: one of our very favorite robots that we saw at Norwalk Havoc in the 12 pound division was, uh, two flail bots. Both of them were made essentially out of like quarter inch plywood and it, they were super fun. They lasted two full fights and, uh, when they did not last anymore, it was even more fun cause they were just pieces of them all over the arena. Um, all right. So last question from Brian Brown, my daughter would like to ask, how are you able to fit all the mechanics inside Kraken? She's looking, uh, she's looking at how seemingly little space there is to work with. So, yeah, that's the other question. Without your kids there, how did you get the tiny hands to go <laughs> inside Kraken and do the work?
4: Yeah, the, the good news about me is I have long, skinny fingers. Uh, <laughs> they, they get into places. But, yeah, Kraken is, is very tight. Uh, so, like I said, we fit two air tanks in there. So one of the air tanks is actually tucked down in the bottom jaw. So it actually sits down underneath um, in the jaw. It just, it's, we had to make it just wide enough that it fits that tank. And then the other tank sits just above it. Um, and so with two air tanks in there, it's, space got pretty tight. Um, getting batteries in, like everything just barely fits. Um, and then, you know, the head is like this big, gigantic thing. And it's it's mostly empty, um, but it has to be that big to fit the airbag in it. So... Um, Kraken is very large and very small at the same time.
3: All right. Over to you, Lindsay. All right. So we
2: have a question here from Noel Villegas who asks, how did having a smaller team affect your season?
4: Uh, having the smaller team made it really hard. It was really, really difficult. Um, it was just me and my dad and my father-in-law and, um, you know, lifting a 250 pound robot up and down every single day, multiple times a day for two weeks, it gets old really fast. Um, so our backs were, were killing us. You know, I said, we just needed just one more person that could give you, you know, a day off to rest your back would have been would have been awesome. Um, but, you know, uh, not having my kids there to uh, run the Wally, not having my wife who's normally the weapon operator, um, you know, just made driving more difficult because my dad and father-in-law they've they've never touched the controller before so um for them driving you know the the wally was was difficult um and and operating kraken you know there's not a there's not a higher pressure situation than all right you're now driver of the kraken weapon and we're facing witch doctor right don't miss (laughs) um so that it was really difficult and then you know we have we have people that take care of everything i mean we have uh, Jill takes care of all of our batteries, make sure they're always topped off and in peak charge. And we didn't, we didn't have that. And, you know, um, Wesley normally comes and he builds the rebuilds the motors for us. And I was like, man, I really wish Wesley was here to rebuild some of these motors. You know, by the end they were starting to get starting to get kind of worn. And I was like, man, if Wesley was here, we, we had rebuilt rebuilt all these for us every match. So just not having kind of the people that do the normal things that we'd, I, I, you know, I would take for granted really, really hurt. So, um, yeah, it, w- it was difficult. Having a big team is much better. Plus you get, you know, bigger celebrations and more milkshakes.
2: <laughs> milkshakes are key. And, uh, and you know, we, we miss seeing your brother, Stephen, in his anglerfish costume.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We didn't have Ken there. Uh, <laughs> and Stephen, yeah, I forgot to mention, he takes care of all, like, a lot of the electrical stuff in there.
2: So Noel has a follow up question. Speaking of Wally, uh, uh, when will a narwhal sized Wally plushie be available? <laughs>
4: oh, a narwhal sized, huh? Yeah, we we haven't wor- sorted out the shipping arrangements with uh, UPS yet. We're working on it. We do have a, a Wally sized Wally plushie at our at our new store that we put out. My wife makes those, but. Um, yeah, a narwhal-sized uh, Wally plush. It's probably a, probably a few years off.
2: Well, I have to settle for the uh, the Wally-sized Wally in the interim. We'll have to get one of those, Chris, because those are so cute. Um, all right. So Spencer Sahu has a question also about Wally. What improvements are you making to Wally for the next season?
4: Um, we're trying. We're. It's up in the air right now. So we made uh, the big improvement from last year to this year was we went from two-wheel drive to four-wheel drive, um, and that was that was uh, huge, right? You could actually you know get around the robot, get around the arena, and get out of kill saw slots, you know. Um, so that was good, um, but um, we want to put flame in Wally. We want to make Wally shoot little fire out of his narwhal tusk. Whoa. Um, so we've got I've got a little butane canister sitting on my desk, and I'm trying to figure out how to squeeze it in there. Um, the other thing that we're trying to figure out how to do is we're we're upgrading the armor on Kraken to make it even more tankier um, and to withstand the, the hundred thousand pound load. Um, and it's heavier, and I I'm trying so I'm trying to squeeze weight out of Kraken so I can put a little bit more weight into Wally, <laughs> which maybe is the wrong way to be going, but you know you got to priorities right.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of people would say it is the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Steven Egger asks, I notice you guys lost your tail every fight, allowing you to properly self-write. Since Kraken doesn't do wheelies anymore, is the tail only meant for show now, or is it to give your opponents false hope when they can't flip you?
4: <laughs> um so the the hope was that the tail wouldn't fall off unless it was needed to fall off, right? We weren't hoping it would fall off quite that easily. Um uh, but it did and you know what have you. Uh but the um the Kraken will still wheelie. She will stand on her butt so fast if I if I drive her wrong. So what I'm I'm constantly switching between low speed and high speed, putting her in beast mode all the time and so um, you saw it in the in the Black Dragon match, a little bit of driver's rust happening. And I back up right as they come forward and they hit the nose right as I go to stop and she wheelies. And it looks like they hit us and launched us onto her back. It really, that was just mostly a driving mistake for me rolling her over. So, um, you know, uh, she'll definitely still wheelie. So, And I, I was just rusty. I hadn't driven her for a couple months and uh, I just needed to get, get kind of the rust shaken off and work some nerves loose. And then I was able to drive better for the rest of the tournament. But yeah, show wheelie. <laughs> we got to fix that. Oh, we got a plan though. we're going to put a hinge on there. I think it'll work.
2: All right. So we have another question from Jackpot team member, Shay Waffles Johns, who says, Matt, what is something you think is still underappreciated about Kraken?
4: Oh, good question. Uh, something that I've I always thought this was a really cool detail, and I don't—I don't know how many people even notice it. Um, but Kraken, when she bites, her eyes and the lure turn red, and we're releasing. Then it goes; the eyes go back to white, and the lure goes back to the flashy blue. Um, wow! And I—I I always thought that was such a cool detail. It was on the original Kraken that she did that, and I don't—I don't know if anyone else even notices, uh, but I think that's something neat.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever noticed that. Now I'm uh, a little ashamed of myself because that sounds really cool. I'll have to go back and look for that.
4: Yeah, man, you have to watch. Um, and the, the it's very handy, too, Like, because the judges or the refs will be yelling at us to release. And we're like, we are. Look at the eyes. They're white. So <laughs> after the first the first match, uh, we explained to the refs You know, the very first year. We're like, hey, when we bite, the eyes turn red. And we're releasing, the eyes turn white. So you'll be able to tell that we're trying to release, right? We might just be hung up a little bit because crushers kind of tend to get hung in spots sometimes. So if you see the eyes going white, that means we're releasing and we're trying to let go. It just takes a couple seconds. Um, So it helped both, you know, it helps from us from an aesthetic standpoint and then also to kind of know what's going on with the robot in the arena.
2: That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, So Corey Schweinhart asks... What happened in the fight with you-know-who in the latest Bounty Hunters? Which I think we can come out and say was rusty because it's been uh, released publicly now. Uh, Chris and Kenny tried to say it was damage from the other bot, but it just looked like a mechanical failure to me.
4: Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it's damage, right? Like, the head wouldn't have fallen off if... Rusty wasn't in there. If Dave hadn't put the spear in the head, the head would not have fallen off of Kraken. Um, it was, it it was a mechanical failure, and it was. Um, uh, I'm ashamed to admit it was my fault. Um, there's two large bolts that go into through the aluminum plate in Kraken's upper head and bolt it to the jaw, and then there's two small bolts in the back um, that just kind of keep the back from. Sp- from spinning around a little bit and kind of lock it in right um and we were repairing damage from sawblaze, which had happened just the day prior previously and as we we're repairing damage i had pulled those two big bolts out of the front um and i forgot to put those two bolts back in and they're covered by the airbag and so no one noticed that those bolts weren't missing or that those bolts were missing and then we went in the arena and um the, he- the head got got knocked off so Um, but, but it absolutely was damage caused by, by Rusty. I mean, he hit us in the head with the vibrating hammer and, and broke the two bolts in the back. Um, those both sheared right in half. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, Rusty didn't do anything. He absolutely did. Um, but I think if we have those two bolts in the front, I don't think the head falls off there. So. It's just one of those things that happens. You know, it all works out in the end. So, um, and and kudos to Rusty and Dave for building just a super cool bot with so much personality. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's a a cool bot. I just imagine at the end of, you know, a two-week, like, grueling filming process, it's only, you know, you and one other person on your team. It's like, I imagine the ease of which those like oversights happen go way up because it's just two people and and you know there's so much that you have to account for uh and keep track of it at any given moment so the fact that anyone even has a working bot (laughs) that's put together uh by the end of of these tournaments is is you know amazing
4: yeah that's that's it's a it's a tournament of attrition right it's it's the robots are wearing down and the builders are wearing down so it's it's <laughs> whose robots in the best shape and which builders are in the best shape or uh, the <laughs> ones that win
2: um so heather stringfellow asks after experiencing this year's bounty hunter would you consider doing it again
4: 100% with without a doubt I would go right back in yep I would I would go into a bounty hunter right now if they said Matt you got to get your robot ready I'd be like yep we're going load it <laughs> up so yeah it was it was a lot of fun it was and it was so it was it was taking place at the you know after the main tournament right you're already eliminated there's nothing else left it's normally the time that you would be spending on grudge fights which you know just are going to go to youtube and you know they're not going to use them but um it's a great time to test things on your robot and stuff but with bounty hunters it was kind of this relaxed event but there was still pressure right so it was kind of this weird uh environment but it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with it
2: Yeah, I I really hope that they bring it back uh, along with uh, season six next year. So fingers Fingers crossed.
4: crossed. (laughs) Absolutely. I got mine crossed as well.
2: (laughs) Um, Mario Cast asks, Hi, Matt, your 2020 Kraken team of both dads being by your side was great to see. My question is, what type of configuration will you use against a powerful horizontal spinner? I hope your posse will be back next season.
4: Yeah, uh, we're planning on coming back next season with with a little bit bigger posse again. Probably not the full 13 people um, this year, but definitely more than three. Um, and um, the horizontal configuration, you could see it a little bit in the rusty match. We ran the horizontal armor, um, mostly because Sablé's punched big holes in the vertical spinner configuration. Um, and it wasn't in any shape to, to go in for a bounty hunter. So we ran our horizontal configuration uh, against Rusty. So you can kind of see how that's designed to work. Um, and um, the good news about, you know, the, if you want to look at the silver lining of, of losing to Rusty so early is it gave us an opportunity to enter into an, a second bounty. So. Um, it, it, You know, like I said, everything works out for the best. And and this was one of those chances, one of those things that worked out in our favor. So you can get to see our, our horizontal armor configuration.
2: Ooh, fun. All right. So the next question was going to be from Tristan Reyes asking, are you going to be on next season? But it sounds like that is the plan.
4: Oh, yeah. We're, we're 100%. We're all in. Uh, I've been working for several weeks on the CAD, getting it upgraded. Um, we've got a new sponsor on board already for um, kind of this uh, state-of-the-art uh, metal. It's a steel that's um, basically twice as strong as the AR-400 and AR-500 that everyone's using right now. So that's the only way we could get to 100,000 pounds in the crusher was we had to get some get kind of fancy with the metal, um, and our new sponsor is going to hook us up. So uh, we're just really stoked for this next season. I think we're going to see an even better Kraken this year. So we just, we're trying to get incrementally better uh, every year. And I think this year we're going to see a big, another big step increase in the quality of Kraken.
2: Oh, I can't wait. All right. Alexander Archer asks, uh, well, he kind of covered this already, but any new upgrades for Kraken or is it returning next season relatively unchanged since the season was its best performance yet? So I think, I think you covered that, but anything else you want to add?
4: Um, I, think, I think I covered everything. Let's see. New metal, uh, more powerful bite. Yeah, the bite will actually be faster at the higher pressure that we're running. So we should, we'll be even faster bite, and quicker release. Uh, it probably would be quicker to name the things we're not changing, uh, <laughs> which is basically the drivetrain. But even that, I think we're going to go back to change up our tires a little bit again to try and we're trying to get that perfect grip so we can really shove people around the arena and do the control bot thing really well. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, always, always better. Everything better. Always.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Alexander also wants to know, what was it like competing on BattleBots this season with all of the strict COVID-19 safety protocols that were in place? Did it make it weird? What? How, how was it?
4: Uh, it was... That was a concern that we had going in. We almost didn't go this year because of that, you know. And I, I, I say you know BattleBots is kind of like robot summer camp, you know. You go there and it's all your friends, and you only see them once a year, and uh, it's so cool to hang out. And it's it's just every it's everybody that has the same interest as you, right? So you know um, that's everybody that loves BattleBots. You know, you're not competing on on the show unless you really love BattleBots and everything about BattleBots. So you're talking to everybody's your best friend. Um, and so in a normal year, you know, you're going around, you're seeing your old friends and you're hugging and giving high fives and shaking hands afterwards. And there was, there wasn't any of that, any hugging or anything like that. So we almost didn't go. Um, but then, uh, we went and it actually was, was really awesome. You know, yeah, you couldn't give anybody a hug or a handshake or anything afterwards, but um, you know, everybody was high fiving through the plexiglass. You know, and uh, you still could see everyone's smiling and face, and you know, you could talk to them from you know 10, 15 feet away, and they're still just talking to them. Uh, so it, it, I'm, I'm glad we went. I'm glad we made the decision to go. It was, it was a harder year. It was, it was definitely very challenging, but, um, you know, it was, it was also a lot of fun. And the pit spaces were obviously much bigger than normal years, so that was cool. You had plenty of room to work. That was nice.
2: Yeah, we keep hearing that from from other builders that we interview. So hopefully, wherever they end up next year, whatever building they secure, they're able to bring that back. Because it sounds like pit space was uh, it was a, was a uh, big upside out of all of this.
4: Yeah, I know Greg listens to the show, so Greg, just so you know, the builders ain't going back to those tiny pits.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, one more question from Art uh, from Alexander before I throw you over to Chris. Do you have any dream matchups for next season?
4: Um, I do. I do. I I want to fight Tombstone. Um, I I feel like we've waited long enough to get a shot at Tombstone. Uh, and I feel like next year will be the year. So I, I'm calling out Ray Billings and Tombstone as a dream match for next year. I've heard of Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one you've heard of. Yeah yeah you know, we want to fight the big dogs right the biggest who's your biggest baddest robot there that's the one we want to fight and and for now until someone else knocks him off its tombstone you know I know he didn't have the best year this year but uh, stand next to the test arena when he's spinning up his weapon and tell him tell me he's not scary um, so he's still the big dog
1: all right Matt I have a question here from Michael Bycroft who wants to know what's that weird silver square thing at the top of the jaw of Kraken?
4: I'm not sure. I think it, I think he might be referring to the airbag, um, either that or it's the aluminum plate that the airbag sits on. So the airbag is 15 inches by 15 inches, so it's big. It's really big for the for a, a robot for to have one thing that occupies that much space. Um, and uh, it um, it powers the weapon, and it sits on top of a big aluminum plate. So if the air when the airbag fell out um you guys have watched the rusty fight if you haven't shame on you it's on discovery on facebook it's on youtube it's all over the place so go watch it but um it's uh the airbag fell out and and so maybe he saw the aluminum plate there which i think would might have been unpainted at that point so
1: i was thinking that maybe um kraken just had like a, a like a
4: like a silver molar you know <laughs> We'd, we talked about that. We talked about taking one of the teeth on Kraken and spray painting it gold so she'd have one gold tooth. I thought that'd be the perfect pirate look. So, Maybe this year we'll do that. Oh, I
1: love it. All right, I have a question here from Adam Matthew Peckett, Pick, uh, who asks, what's the best dad joke you know? Seriously though, Kraken's one durable bot.
4: Oh, awesome, thanks. Um, My, my favorite joke uh, and we use it all the time at BattleBots, which my wife just is probably ready to divorce me over. But um, what? Um, anytime we're doing work on the robot, I'll be I'll say something like, "Oh, I've got to throw away this drill." And everyone will look at me and be like, "Yeah, it's been through a lot." And I say it all the time. I'll say it almost every day at BattleBots, and just gets groans from everybody. But I love that joke, so I use that one a lot. Now,
1: Adam specifically asked what your best dad joke. And I'm curious, do you do you know the difference between a regular joke and a dad joke?
4: I do. Yeah. Uh, that'd be when it becomes apparent. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know if you'd uh, be on top of that one.
4: Well played, Matt. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, for those of you that, that don't know, every December I do Dad Joke December. So, for the, every day for the entire month of December, I tell dad jokes. Um, and I try and get new ones every year, but sometimes I get some that are just really great and I have to share them every year. But uh, yeah, I have lots of great dad jokes.
1: Uh, well, then you probably know uh, how do you get from a dad bod to a pirate bod?
4: Oh, I don't know this one. I
1: don't know. Obviously, it's doing planks. (laughs) Yes. I love that.
4: Yep, that's going in the record.
1: (laughs) I love it. All right, I have a question here from Ryan Hunter, who asks, do you have any more ideas for throw pillows? I need one for my couch. Live, laugh, Kraken.
4: Awesome. Yeah, no, I'll have to think of some. Um, I have a lot of, uh, we put a throw pillow up in the Kraken store. That's where that's coming from for those of you that, uh haven't been to the kraken store yet so i have lots of like fun stuff on the store that i have no intention of ever selling but i think it's funny so i put it in the store uh i just like making different things Um uh, but yeah i have i have a couple um i have a throw pillow on there that's uh no cussing no fussing yes crushing and it's got kraken underneath of it so <laughs>
1: Uh, you heard it here, folks. Check out the Kraken online store. Make sure to uh, enter in the code behind the bots in the checkout for 0% off your purchase. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Put that coupon code in. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have a question here from uh, Tom Brisborn who asks Favorite fight from each season Kraken has completed?
4: Um,. Okay, so this past season is an easy one. Um that was Kraken versus huge. Yeah, we lost. We got our butts kicked, but oh my god, it was awesome. It was so much, it was such a fun fight. There were pieces of Kraken everywhere. It took us like days to put that row back together. Uh actually, I think like one day, because I think we were fighting Sawblaze the next day, but it was we worked from the time we bought that out of the arena until the time we put it back in the arena was sawblaze that uh, on kraken but that fight was awesome and uh getting the wheelie wheelie crush on huge was great and the the uh harpoon on the nose was so much fun i really loved that fight um the very first season i think it was kraken versus lockjaw again we lost we lose a lot i'm pretty good at losing <laughs> i need to get better at winning. Um, but um we we lost, but we said we were the happiest loser because at that point our very first match was against Sharko and we died at a minute and six seconds. The second fight, the control the radios got crazy and it glitched out and it ended up eating the screws and getting stuck on the screws. So I mean, like that's where we started, right? The BattleBots career started as a nightmare. And uh Then we fought Lockjaw. That was our third fight in the Desperado. And that one kind of turned the corner for our entire robot and our entire season. Like we went up against Donald Hudson, a a legend, one of the greatest drivers, and we gave him a run for his money for, you know, two minutes of that match. And it was awesome. It was awesome to share the arena with Donald. It was awesome fight. You know, yeah, we lost, but it kind of we said we were the happiest losers, right? We lost, but our robot worked, and it did what we were we said we could do to vertical spinners. Um, so that one was cool. And then um, the one I the the one I liked uh, from the 2019 season has got to be Kraken versus Blacksmith, um, and surprise, we lost that one. Uh, but uh, again, it was another really fun match. It was back and forth you know, he kicked our butt for the first minute and a half of the fight. And then the second minute and a half, we kind of took it to him. Um, and just, we're just right on the borderline of beating him. Uh, and, and against Al Kindle and Blacksmith, Blacksmith's one of my favorite robots. Um, I just love the, the flame and the fire and, you know, that, that's that Blacksmith style, right? That just, you can't kill him. He's going to be a tough robot. And that's what we try and do with Kraken. Um, and so that was a really fun, fun fight to be a part of, so. Yeah, th- my three favorite fights are ones we all lost and, and got our butt kicked. But uh, you know, I, I don't go there to win. If I went there to win, I'd I'd bring bite force. I would have bought bite force and, and taken that. Uh, it would have been cheaper. Uh, but I go there to have fun and and have a good time with my friends and and those kind of fights where it's back and forth and it's competitive are fun for me. So
1: yeah, it's interesting. I I love that. You know, you you can look at um uh, like a well-fought loss and and see it as like an opportunity to you know to take um something home from that and and improve your bot and you know that's that's a great way to kind
4: of look at it um yeah i like i don't know about you guys but i like watching battle bots um so uh at the end of the day i want a fight that i'm proud to show that's fun to watch Um, And those fights for me were fun to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have a question here from Scorpio's Captain Diana Tarlson, who asks, what's a robot's favorite genre of music? I don't know. What is a robot's favorite genre of music? Diana says it's heavy metal. Nah, I should have had that one. I will say, Diana, Diana, I don't agree. I think it's actually sea shanties. (laughs)
4: <laughs> my robots anyway she loves a good sea shanty
1: <laughs> we need that we need you need a, a, a great kraken sea shanty to come out to next year is that a possibility
4: there you know f- true story this is a legit story um like all my stories are all totally true and believable <laughs> um we contacted the band ale Storm, and they make um uh, like heavy metal pirate music. And we contacted them and said, Hey, can we use one of these two songs to play when we bring Ky- Kraken out? And they gave us permission. They emailed us back and gave us permission to use e- either one of these two songs for, for when the, when she rolled out. So yes, we could do that. Uh, we have permission to, to air it on the show. So, yeah,
1: that's fantastic. I love ailstorm and that is a great, great story. I would suggest everyone check them out yeah they have some really cool ones
4: uh leviathan i'm pretty sure it was written about kraken i mean the song existed before kraken did but i'm pretty sure it was written about kraken so leviathan is is definitely one to check out
1: i love it nelly the Elliebot captain sarah malian asks on a scale of one to floof how cuddly are the wally plushies
4: well i gotta say floof because she limited the scale to floof otherwise i would say it's super floof uh yeah the Wally plushies are they're super awesome and they're like they're the like the same exact size that the actual wally is in the in the show so we use the same wally stuffed animal and we just coat it in fiberglass and rip all the stuffing out and that's how we make wally um so it's it is a true it's true size it's a true wally you know
1: yep and then tara fisher also wanted to know is like when can i get a kraken
4: plushie you can get a Kraken plushie right now. Taking orders, or operators are standing by. Yep, Store.cerobots.com. There you go, and they're they're right in there. We've got we've got the normal size with the Wally, and then we even have a mini Wally. He's like half size.
1: He's Tara. Cute. Make sure to enter the discount code behind the
4: bots for a zero percent discount. Now I gotta. Put, I'm gonna have to put like a five percent discount on there or something like that, so that we we can tie in there. <laughs>
1: You can't, you can't do that. Luke will literally uh, spend himself out of house and home. <laughs> All right, so 5% of this. All right, we have, uh, we have an eight-part question from BattleBots superfan, Mary Catherine Carr. Hey, Mary um, Catherine. Oh, of course. Off the bat, please have a dad joke off with Chris. I think that we've already done that. Uh, <laughs> There's a few teachable moments in there, and we both learned something. her next question was how fun was it to have an all dads robot vacation
4: it was cool it was cool yeah i said i said that to my wife i was like you know i really missed having her and the kids here and stuff but you know it was kind of like a robot road trip with the dads um and bonding over it and stuff like that and it it was it was cool to, to have them there and you know talk to talk about stuff and you know, we we won a fight and we went and we all got steak dinners together. You know, it was it was cool. Just a bunch of dads sharing dad stories and jokes.
1: <laughs> uh Mary also wants to know do you have any fun stories from your time working at
4: Disney? Oh my gosh. Do I have any fun stories about uh working at Disney? Jeez. Oh man, how many of these are not gonna get me in trouble? <laughs> um yeah i mean i so i was a roller coaster test engineer right so my job was testing the rides make sure everything was was fine um and we did we did all kinds of we tested everything right so like um the uh indiana jones show there is the at the very beginning of the show the, the indiana jones actor runs and jumps off of a a balcony and he's he's hooked up to this harness and this harness Mm -hmm. goes flying down and he goes zipping down um and he's not actually repelling he's actually rigidly hooked up and there's there's a braking system that's there it's disney magic let out but um, we would test his harness and make sure that uh it was strong enough and one of the times that we used this harness we tested it was we actually picked up a car with it from the from the indiana or from the uh lights motor action stunt show we picked the car up about 30 feet in the air and then used this quick release and yanked it and dropped this car 30 feet onto an airbag that was that was pretty cool um yeah i rode um the tower of terror 12 times in a row without getting off and we would take it around like get not no brakes like just get to the unload hit the button get to the load and hit the start button and rode that one over and over again that was cool i got to work on the yeti at the everest ride and Uh, we did we did all i mean there's so many crazy cool things that we did i I don't want to say any of them because i don't i you know i probably would still get in trouble i don't even haven't worked there in eight years but (laughs) they probably would find me disney lawyers would get me
1: (laughs) one of my first memories is my so my mom was one of the Ah, uh, the extras in the Indiana Jones like experience, where like they ask people to come out of the audience. Oh, awesome! Yeah, cool. So that that's pretty wild to know that um, if there was a circumstance where a car was dangling above her head,
4: that she would have been totally safe. Totally safe. Yeah, I think I think those straps can hold like five thousand pounds or something ridiculous like that. It's crazy.
1: Mary wants to know if uh, Disney had a Kraken themed ride. What would it be? Oh,
4: what would a Kraken themed ride be? Um, well, I would say it's it's probably going to be, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean boat ride, I think would be the natural fit for it. And then, you know, maybe in at the end where they've got the cannon shooting at the town, maybe instead of that, maybe it's just, you know, you, you drive into Kraken and, it's, you know, the boat gets destroyed by tentacles and you get sucked to your death. But that would probably be what it would be.
1: It's Pirates of the Caribbean, but at the end, uh, Kraken eats everyone.
4: Yeah, it's a perfect ride. There are no survivors. 100%, 100%, uh, 0% guest complaints about that ride. (laughs) Hey, you can't argue with the metrics. That's right. The metrics do not lie. Her
1: next question is, did you choose the pirate life or did the pirate life choose you? Um.
4: I chose the pirate life. (laughs) I chose it. Uh, yeah, we saw, um, we were competing with our small bots in North Carolina, uh, at Hickory bot battles and they had, uh, it was at a, you know, a, a history museum and they had a pirate, a traveling pirate display up. Um, and we went there, uh, before we got on the show and saw that and it was like, yeah, we're, we're doing, we're doing the pirate theme. Uh, so we had talked about doing pirate theme, the whole drive up, and then we get there and there's this pirate display and it was, it was perfect. Like, So maybe a little bit of both. We chose it, and then we got there, and we were validated that we made the right choice. A real quick, Matt, this is a a side question from from myself.
1: Do you know a pirate's favorite letter?
4: I do. It's the C. Oh, no! (laughs) You think it might be the R, but you're wrong. It's the C. (laughs) A pirate's love truly be the C we should have you on the show just to do the voicing for me you know like i can whisper things in your ear and then you repeat it in pirate to chris and kenny because my pirate voice is terrible so you know people will ask me like why don't you talk like a pirate i was like because i physically can't i can't i just sound i could. i could drink i could drink rum and then maybe get the pirate slur down but i think i would just probably sound like a drunk guy i don't know but um yeah I, my pirate voice is terrible Or if it's a pirate you're looking to hire, I work for Chocolate Coins. (laughs) We can provide that. That's one of the things we can't afford. (laughs) Um,
1: So her next question is, whose idea was it to have those Kraken undies?
4: (laughs) Man, so many Kraken store references. I love it. We're We're really pushing the brand here tonight. I love it uh the Kraken I'm, I'm taking sole credit for that that was released the Kraken that was my my Kraken undy contribution like I said there's lots of fun things at the store you have to go check it out once you get the the release the Kraken undies you know i I take no accountability for anything that happens after that It should come with the surgeon general's warning it, it really should you know we I'll talk to the talk to the uh print company Mary'd like
1: to know which bots would make up Kraken's pirate crew.
4: Oh, which ones would make up our pirate crew? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to choose Witch Doctor. They're, they're uh, good friends of ours. And, you know, like in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, uh, she went to the Witch Doctor and we're able to bring people back from the dead and stuff. That seems pretty handy. So they would be in. Um, who else would I have on my pirate crew? Hmm. I would probably choose Earl from Bale Spear. Uh, Earl's one of my good buddies as well. And uh, you know, I see in the in the movies, you know, you just see like this this farmer. He's working, and then like a pirate ship comes by, and he gets mixed up in trouble, and then gets part of the crew, and ends up saving the day and marrying the the beautiful damsel in distress. I can see Earl that happening to Earl. I mean, that's that's a pretty Earl thing to happen. Uh, so, uh, uh, Earl, I think would get in there. Um, and then who else? Oh, Victor Soto with Rotator. I mean, all that gold. He's got to be a pirate. Yeah, that's that's a shoe in there. Same as Shatter. I mean, he's got like gemstones and stuff, so th- they're in. Uh, oh, and Double Jeopardy. Oh, how did I forget Double Jeopardy? He's got cannons. Yeah, yeah uh, the cannons. Yeah, geez. I almost forgot Double Jeopardy. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, so the cannons are in. I think that's a pretty good crew. I think we could roll with that crew.
1: You could probably throw in a hypershock since it's already somewhere up by the crow's nest anyway. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Will's always in. He's always welcome. Mary goes on to ask, what does a person have to do to attend one of those super cool tooth forging parties?
4: Um, be willing to swing a hammer. That, that's pretty much the criteria. Um, if you're willing to swing a hammer or turn the crank on the forge um, all the teeth on Kraken are all hammer forged in my driveway. Um, and it's an old, uh, coal fired forge. Um, and we, we turn the crank by hand and it's got it. We got an anvil. We roll it out in the driveway and, you know, it takes a lot. I mean, those teeth start off as inch and a quarter steel. Um, Mm -hmm. and we hammer them down to, you know, pencil points. So they are, they get super sharp. Uh, and it, it, to make all the teeth, it takes all day. It's it's a lot of work. So if you're willing to swing a hammer, a heavy hammer, like a four-pound or two-and-a-half-pound mini sledgehammer, um, come on down to Matt Spurk's Kraken Corral, <laughs> and uh, we'll put you on the forge.
1: Yeah, just give me a shout when it's time to spray paint one of them gold. I'll take okay, it. Okay, man, I'll, I'll let you know. Alright, we got one final question here from Michael Clements who asks if you could pick one robot to appear beside your own in your dream hexbud rivals set, who would you pick and why? Oh,
4: who would I pick in my rival set? Wow, there's so many. Ah uh... God, there's so many I would want to put there. That's not fair. Only one? um how about huge huge hu- a huge hexbug i think would be completely ridiculous and a kraken hexbug would just that we could i could reenact that fight over and over again uh, that, that's that been my favorite fight of all time i think um and i think that'd be a fun hexbug pack
1: i think they, they'd yeah. have to include the spear at that point
4: yeah the harpoon like a, a detachable harpoon yeah definitely <laughs>
1: Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's always a blast to have you on. Uh, you know, this is a great interview. Loved loved some of your answers. Loved your jokes. Uh, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing Kraken and you in the battle box again soon.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I have a blast every time. Um, I just it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much for having me. After the break, we'll
1: return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break time for robots around the world. This week, we're heading back to Boston where the terrifying geniuses at Boston dynamics have launched their latest robot, a warehouse robot named stretch stretch comes with a big seven axis arm with suction cups on the end that are designed to help the robot pick up boxes that weigh as much as 50 pounds. So it's like an octopus minus one arm. Uh, Stretch works alongside people in a warehouse, helping them move boxes on and off trucks and stacking boxes on pallets. Uh, so they're at it again. We just can't quit Boston Dynamics.
0: Boston Dynamics, super cool company, obviously. And, uh, you know, like any kind of new product launch is is always, always really, really neat. Um, as, as I was reading like the news coverage about Stretch, um, the kind of interesting thing is, when you think about automated warehouses, most of the time you will bolt a massive seven access arm into the ground and you'll design the warehouse around that arm so that it can move packages down a line or or put them into a truck or something like that. But 80% of the world's warehouses have no automation at all. They're just basically a huge room and getting these, these little wheels robots um, that can pick up boxes and basically move them anywhere inside the warehouse could be a huge market and really kind of the first introduction of, of AI and automation into pretty analog legacy warehouses, which is which is pretty neat.
2: That is pretty cool. I will say I'm a little disappointed because I misread it in my head. It is not a seven, seven arms on an axis. It's just one arm with seven
0: axes of motion. Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, so it's it's not actually close anything close to a to an octopus, but maybe if you put eight of them together,
3: (laughs) actually that looks pretty cool. It looks beautiful. Like I think it's it's actually a really nice work of art for something that is supposed to go into a warehouse. And as a person who's worked in, you know, fabrication and whatnot and done a lot of truck loading, man, one of these things would be so sweet to have. It's really cool. And it seems like it's really versatile. Um, I like it. I'm a big fan of this. This is one of the first Boston Dynamics things that I've seen that I've been like, oh, that's incredibly useful for something that doesn't involve murdering people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kyle, so you're you're saying as as someone who has uh, loaded a truck before, it's uh, not a lot of fun. Is that right? You'd rather...
3: Yeah, oh, well, especially the, the repetitive loading a bunch of rectangles onto a truck. Mm. You know, like that part's no fun. This would make that infinitely better. You know what I mean? Like, let's get this this one part of the job just passed off to the automation, and we'll have everybody else doing the Tetris game, which is, you know, where the, the actual fun of loading trucks is is, is playing Tetris.
1: I'd like to see one of these robots try to find a good hiding spot to take a nap after lunch like this guy can.
3: <laughs> yeah, like build build a little secret room in in the warehouse behind all the boxes, is that right? No, what you do is you just lay down underneath a ladder. <laughs> because then whenever the boss finds you, you can just wake up and be like, "Oh, I must have fallen off the ladder." <laughs>
1: Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with Scorpios, Captains, Zach Lytle, and Diana Tarlson. We'll see you then, folks. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.